0: And riches of the world, as though, though they contained something useful on account of vain pleasure. Worldly people like to eat out. Worldly people esteem the culinary art, but you, through fasting and thanks to cheap food, <laughs> go beyond their abundance of food. It's written, one who is sated loathes honey. So you can get so much as you hate things, good or bad, don't fill yourself with bread and you will not desire wine." Hmm. All right, so what am I going to do with that? Is stuff good or bad? Did we decide that again? Let's see. Where would stuff be? Stuff is in the image. Stuff was very good. So stuff looks It's somewhere in this range right here. So now what are we going to do? What is it again? Stuff's very good, stuff's good, stuff's neutral, stuff's bad. Hmm. So there's like a forward Neutral work. Could you please sort this out? I, stuff is good unless you put stuff before that. Thank you. Well, sir, there was a point where it was good, very good. You got the Lord saying that yourself. However, there is stuff when stuff is very bad. Bad, very bad. Like, hey, have you tried one of these? Okay. Now, my question is, how can stuff be neutral? Thank you. You know, you have a drug <laughs> that right. can be used. You have a drug that right. can be abused. But the drug itself is simply stuff. It's neither good nor bad. It's what's done with. So you don't think Jesus is quite. um So he said this with a small smile. Well, this thing, woe to you! If you. Eat at the airport commissary beyond McDonald's on your way to Costa Rica. Woe to you if you actually go to Wolfgang Puck's little pizza place. Woe to you if you're not eating off the dollar menu. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love the dollar menu. That's right. Her husband works for McDonald's. I love McDonald's. Yeah? Yeah? Right. What? <laughs> Where can I get a violin like this? All uh, right, good. <laughs> oh boy. Seduced may be the word there that's most um, helpful to your argument. And then on the other side is rejoicing. Um, Now, the only problem with saying stuff is bad is, uh, and he became man, is matter matters. I mean, you might as well say Jesus became stuff. And yet, it is correct to say that stuff is ruined. So actually, everybody gets to be right today. It is, in fact, true that stuff is very good. And it is true that stuff is very bad. And it is true that stuff is neutral. Um, so, it was great when it was made, it was ruined when it fell, it's pulled back when it's redeemed in Christ, and now it's given to you as a gift, and it depends how you use it. What the women are trying to do, who are living out there, is trying to figure out how to use stuff. What you have to try to figure out is whether you think fasting is the proper use of stuff. For some of you, you know, it may be. I mean, well, you have to figure out whether, well, let's let's keep going, and then go, go to the next one. Um, you know. Part of the problem is I I pulled a very long reading uh, from the scriptures. But nevertheless, listen to this. So see if you can work on your stuff stuff here. Number seven. So my question for you before you read this is, how would you know? If you had a violin, how would you know whether your violin was a plus, check, or minus? Or if you had fruit in the Garden of Eden, for example. Because there actually was some fruit they could eat. So how would you know? How would you know if your tongue was um, plus, check, or minus? She said, she also said, many are the wiles of the evil one. And immediately, you know, you get the devil as a roaring lion coming to get you. If he is not able to disturb the soul by means of poverty, he suggests riches as an attraction. Isn't that great? Now, just, I just want to ask you something about your own life. You don't have to, I'm not not actually asking to say anything unless you want, but frankly, I don't really want to know unless you're in confession. But here's what I want you to tell me. In your own life, have you identified particular sins, particular weaknesses? Like some people sex, some people liquor, some people gossip. In your own life, have you identified, are there, I'm just asking you, are there three or four or five things that always seem to get after you. Does that happen to you? Shoes. Who said shoes? You? <laughs> hey, that's, hey, in the right situation, I just want you to know Christmas sharing would love to have your extra shoes and your extra boxers. All right. That's right. That's the. I do remember one the year that somebody the first year I think gave used toothbrushes to Christmas sharing. Uh, I, I, you cannot make this up, okay? That's the sort of thing where you put your head in your hands and you just go, minus minus. That stuff is bad, okay? Uh, it still happens, you know. So yeah, they're just on the way. They need to spend some time with their mommy. They, yeah. yes, they do. Yep, that's putting the best construction on things. I frankly think those people are crazy, but uh, thank you very much. So here's here's one thing that I just, I'll just i just ask you if you notice this in your own life. So you got these things that bother you. You know, whatever they are. This is opposed to your normal, you get crabby when somebody takes your parking space kind of crabbiness. There's some things that really bother you, like... Your husband's brother, uh, drinking too much, being gossipy, pick something, and then life goes like this. Have you noticed in your own life, and actually this is, I'll just go under the notion of discernment here, which is what this passage is about. Um, first, do you recognize it when it's there? Can you see it? Can you see in yourself? Can you say, wow. This is my issue right now. Can you say this? This is my sin? Have you learned to do that? That is the most basic confession. which you say, this is my sin. Arlene, question about that? No, I think that I have to Good. Perfect. Perfect. Can you, can you, so when you're in the midst of it, can you say to yourself, I'm being serious now, I'm very worried, and this isn't best. In fact, this is sinful. Can you say that to yourself? Uh, okay, so just pause there, I just want because I just want to ask the next thing then. Um, gosh, worry is such a good one, because that gets to all of us. I'm just going to use you, okay, but I don't want you to say anything, but I'm going to use you. <laughs> okay. All right, so here's the thing. I'm just going to guess. You might have one other sin, someone in your life that bugs you, like worry. Don't say what it is. I don't care. Maybe it's not true. Have you ever noticed, though? So you say your prayer and you say to God, "Hey, I wish, um, you know, I'm in it. I see it. I'm sorry. Help me." Which then amounts to something like this. And actually, I should have drawn this better. It would be better if I had drawn like this. And then some period, some period of. Then, have you ever noticed? I'm just asking you. I'm not saying this. Yes is. The, I'm not saying yes is the answer. I, have you ever noticed that when the worry diminishes, often your next one comes to, 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 to bear? Have you noticed this? The next no. Next different thing. Now you drink too much, or pick something. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know what women's sins would be. Here's the thing. I'm just like Kirby, for example. I have no idea what her. I mean, I just don't know. I mean, she's. Should have some because the Bible says so, but I just don't see them. So I just have to ask you what those would be. You see, oh, give me one other sin that's a, give me a common sin that's innocuous for women. Give me a sin, gossip. gossip. Okay. So the first one is worry. Okay, you recognize that you're in it. What often happens when you repent of it is it actually does in fact ease off. Okay, but then what happens next is you might have this lull, but then what happens often is gossip comes, now here's the thing, I'm not talking about your worrying today and your gossiping tomorrow, but that could happen. What often happens in people's lives is that you have this extended period of worry, four months, six months, a year, you work through that, you finally come down here and you might get some time off, and then you sort of move into the next one, and then that one consumes you for a very long time. Has this happened to you or not? I'm just asking, okay? What often happens with people is they can identify two or three or four kind of pet sins or things that are really kind of flaws in their character, and they come to know it about themselves. And then there's the next one, whatever it would be. You want to give me another one or no? Uh, Say it. Doubt. Doubt, Okay, good. Did somebody say control? control? That's great. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. What can also, I mean, you can draw this in different ways. Like, you could have, you know, obviously control could be going on all the time, and you could still have this up and down motion. So I'm just going to ask you now, here's what I think she's talking about. I think she's trying to show you the way out. Okay, let's just read a little bit, because I think what she's trying to do, what she calls discernment in life is really, it's trying to find the way out. Okay? Okay. Which is, how can your pattern be different? How can your life be different? Um, let me just ask you one other thing. Yes, please. Brilliant. Than Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very well done. Now, I just want to push you one more thing. So again, you can answer or not answer, I don't mind, but I think I know the answer from what you just said. Can you see it coming? Like, can you see this? Mm-hmm. Have you learned to see this? Sometimes it's actually a good answer. So here's, here's, here's my experience, you know, kind of over the years. And it doesn't have to be your experience. I'm just observing it. Here's part of the fun of reading these people, and it's the same for me. Here's the thing: you can take it or leave it. Um, uh, but here's the thing: one of the way, if you can see it coming, then you know how to get out of it and shorten this time, and spend more time here. If you can see it coming, does this make sense? Mm-hmm. Which is partly the discernment comes in a couple of different ways. One is, you're clever enough to identify what's coming at you, and you can actually see. Here it is, it's on the way. I know what comes next. What's the value in being able to see ahead like that? Once you've experienced this. So you have this thing that bugs you and it bugs you four months of every year. What's the what's the value of being able to see that? What's the value of that? You can prepare for it, brilliantly said. And when it hits you. Exactly, you know what to do. This is actually part of the part of the part of the spiritual life, which is this is why confession is not just, you know, this thing you do like I, you know, I did that or I did that. Confession is about recognizing in yourself where you're weak, what's coming, where you are, and what can be done. Go ahead, Carol. On purpose? on purpose like because you were forced to or for your own uh, so, okay. I got you okay good that makes a difference by the way yeah, yeah, I learned it on yeah. yes Good. And after then you come up and there's an excitement again, and you're going to do the this cycle. Right. What was great about realizing that the cycle existed is one, you're not crazy. You're it, right. And two, also that you know Right. You well said. That's very well said. That's a great metaphor for the life. And now I'm I'm beginning to regret my. Go ahead. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And again, and again, and again. It's not <laughs> that's exactly it. Thank you so much. That is that is exactly right. And that same thing can be said um, for the spiritual life. Let's just, gosh, that, that's so well done. My only, uh, well, go ahead. Look at this. So, many are the wiles of the evil one. So, here's what happens. We get you all baptized. You're made very good. You fall apart. We get you all baptized up, and you're set into a cycle that looks like this. Many are the wiles of the evil one. We put a big target on you. If he's not able to discern, disturb the soul by means of poverty, then he suggests riches. If he's not won the victory by insults and disgrace, let's say that you're the kind of person that actually doesn't care what anybody thinks about you. So, if a lot of people line up and say, you're just a horrible person, some people just can brush that off. Think of any good salesman you know, right? I'm serious. I would mean, think of any good salesman. They're just like, man, nine times in a row, and the next time, what do they tell themselves? Hey, every one in ten, boom, they just keep going. So if, if he hasn't won the victory by insults and disgrace, he suggests praise and glory, right? So think of any salesman you know. That's yeah, the other side, right? That's a difficulty, You think you're good at selling a particular thing? That doesn't make you a good husband or a father, because if you stay at the office and sell things too long, you're actually a bad husband. It doesn't translate. Overcome by health, so he makes the body ill. Not having been able to seduce it through pleasures, he he tries to overthrow it by involuntary sufferings. You see this? One way or the other, the next thing is coming. He joins to this. Very severe illness to disturb the faint-hearted. Hey, guess what? Now I'm worrying. So now I'm sick and I'm worrying. Right? Now I get better, but then I still worry about the next time I'm going to be sick. See how this works? Doot, 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 doot. But also he destroys the body by very violent fevers and weighs it down with intolerable thirst. If, being a sinner, you undergo these things... You know, and this is this is a very early church to medieval thing. This has some use, but you want to be very careful with this. But it does have some use. Even Luther talks about this. Remind yourself of the punishment to come, the everlasting fire and sufferings inflicted by justice, and do not be discouraged here and now. Really, honestly, I hate to disagree with anybody's mother, but um, <laughs> what I probably would remind you of is Christ suffering on the cross, and how that suffering will bear you through to resurrection and to life everlasting. This is now, see, this is, there are things to disagree with sometimes. This is not wrong. In fact, Luther will often say, if you're suffering and you don't know why, um, you should just remember you're a damn sinner and you probably had it coming. I mean, he'll say stuff like that, okay? I mean, he will, which is not wrong, right? I mean, you, when you're suffering, probably what you should, one of the, the first questions you should ask yourself is, did I cause this? So if I drink so much that I get cirrhosis and now I'm miserable, you know, hey, I caused this. I have something very specific to be repentant of. That's when I caused my own sin. If you punch me in the nose for no good reason, there could be some good reasons, Maddie. (coughs) Incense, for example. or You know, think of what. If you punch me in the nose, if I'm a victim, um, I may say to myself that I have this coming And the answer sometimes, on a very rare occasion, is no. Usually I do have it coming. But, you know, you might catch me on a day when I don't have it coming. And sometimes you're just a victim. And you just say to yourself, hey, I live in an evil world. And sometimes in an evil world, people get punched in the nose. Like, just fill in the blank, whatever blank you need to fill in. But the far side, in the first one, I need to repent. In the second one, I have to say, that's the way of the world. Now, you know, I caused this stir in Bible study, which I have yet to live down. Um, Although I tried to... Clarify it at the men's retreat. I even help I hate to even say what I said, but because then it'll stir up again and it'll be on tape and then I'll get letters, which I like I get every day. So here's the thing. Let me just I'm gonna ride one of my favorite hobby horses, is that skills don't always translate. So one of the difficulties I have in the church with lay people who are very good businessmen or lawyers or whatever, is <coughs> If you have a lawyer and you're being sued, what's, the, what's your lawyers often your lawyer's first inclination? What's the difference? What do they usually say? Back. You sue them back. Okay, good. so we go to the billing aspect. They don't say don't say anything, but, but in terms of how things are going to proceed, what do they often say to you? Settle it. Settle it means. what is settlement settle it means. Everybody's a little at fault. Here's the thing. That doesn't work in the church. Sometimes it does, but when it, when it works in the church, we say, you're a lot at fault, and you're a lot at fault. But sometimes, one person is completely at fault, like a man who beats his wife, or is unfaithful to his wife. And the other person is, yeah, you might have some normal stuff, like you burned dinner, or you yelled at the kids, but that doesn't rise, the venial sin, the kind of a normal everyday sin, doesn't rise to the level of saying, so you deserve to be punched in the nose, or whatever, and one of the problems we have in the church is that we often are too willing to split the difference. And when we do that, we don't recognize victims. Does that make sense? We don't, and when we don't recognize victims, then we do them a disservice because we do not strengthen them to carry on through. Does that make sense? You get what I'm saying to you? <laughs> very often it's not. It's, very often it's not in the middle. Exactly right. Yeah. So this, this is one place where your normal life outside doesn't always translate into the church. You have to be extraordinarily careful with this. When you, the church plays by a different set of rules. It's not unconnected to the world, but it is, in fact, different. Okay? So just pay attention to that. And you, the thing is, you have to do that in your own life, too. So when ills come to you, it's very important for you to say, did I bring this on myself? I just sat with a kid last night, and I said, you know, if you drink too much and you crash your car, if you sleep around and get HIV, if you, you know, if blah, blah, blah. I went through this whole list of things. I just said, that's all on you. And you know what? And if, if it happens another way, then it's not on you. But you've got to be smart enough to tell the difference. And, of course, then my normal thing, which I say to anybody under 25, which is, don't do something so stupid you're going to ruin the rest of your life. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'll just say it to you, too. I'll say it to myself. But there is, when, you're, when you have ill, my, here's the point. When you have it, really examine yourself and figure out whether you're bringing it on yourself or whether it's somebody else. Or sometimes it is something in between because you won't know how to engage the situation unless you do that, okay? Rejoice that God visits you and keep this blessed saying on your lips, The Holy One is chasing me sorely but not giving me up to death. This is the difference between Christians and non-Christians. While the Lord will punish you, and I normally use chastise you for that, the Lord will not destroy you. And that's the difference between God loving you and hating you. You may suffer, and at times God may even punish you, but he will not destroy you because you're baptized, you belong to him, because the body and blood of Christ is in you from the Eucharist, and he will not destroy you because he will not destroy his son. He has to destroy Jesus to destroy you. He will not do that, which is a great reason to go to the Eucharist. If you want to be indestructible, go to the Eucharist. It doesn't mean you won't suffer, and you have to try to distinguish your suffering from your destruction. Are you gold? Oh, well, you were iron, but fire has burned the rust off you. I don't know if that actually works. Can you burn the rust off I guess you can if you melt it. If you are righteous and fall ill, you will go from strength to strength. Are you gold? You'll pass through fire purged. Have you give, been given a thorn in the flesh? Exult and see who else, St. Paul, that is. Oh, it says it there. It, it is an honor to have the same sufferings as St. Paul. Are you being tried by fever? Are you being taught by a cold? Is it worry? Is it gossip? Is it doubt? Is it control? Just fill in the blank. Indeed, Scripture says, we went forth through fire and water, and yet God has drawn us forth to a spacious place. He's drawn us from narrow straits into wide places. That's the psalmody way of saying you're being really squeezed, and when you come out the other end, everything is going to be okay. Expect the second. That's faith. Expect the second. You've drawn the first lot, expect the second. By virtue, offer holy words in a loud voice, for it said, this is basically keep saying your prayers, I'm afflicted and in pain, this share of wretchedness will make you perfect. It doesn't mean it makes you perfect, at least I'm going to gloss the text, it doesn't make you perfect in the sense that you make yourself perfect, it means that you're perfected in the way that Scripture talks about burning away your bad stuff. Here's the thing, if you do something really stupid, which I know in this group probably has never happened, okay? <laughs> but let me just say, once I did something really stupid, like if I call Kirby by, <clears throat> i got to turn off the mic for this. <laughs> now, and Joyce, if you're listening, I love you. Okay, <laughs> good. So so the thing is, that's exactly what this is talking about. So here's, here's what happens when you suffer. You say to yourself, did I bring it up myself? If you did, you confess that. Forgive me. Strengthen me, please. If you're a victim, you say what the first bit was, which is, did I give you the whole bits about anger? Didn't I give you that? There was so much good stuff in here. Gosh, there's no. This is all in the end about anger, where she says, you know, anger just doesn't do you any good. Yeah. So if if somebody does it to you, you know, don't be angry. What good does being angry? You touch anger, you make yourself angry, you hate somebody else. That doesn't do you any good. If it's an ongoing thing, you say. Every virtue, every challenge, I'm sorry, every challenge is a chance to exercise virtue. So Paul has a thorn in the flesh, bugs him every day, he wakes up every day and he says, "This is a chance for me to live like Christ, who by the way in heaven, still has two spots here, two spots on his feet, and this big spear wound in the side. He still ha- You'll be able to, like Thomas, stick your head at his side. If you want, you know, if you're brave enough, Jan, I, you know, if you're brave enough, Good, it, it may not, and you may have to change your circumstances. That's a great question. So somebody does something to you, you try not to be angry, you try to be forgiving. So the classic mistake, and I just, you know, this is classic mistake. A man abuses his wife, goes to the pastor, the pastor says, go home and be a good wife. So they step right back into it, it happens again. So our question always, the first time somebody shows up in our office who's troubled in a marital relationship, our first thing we ever say is, are you safe? And do you have some place to go? That's the first thing we say. Get your kids, get your, get your kids, and go someplace safe, or on the alternate, put your husband out so that you can be safe and change the locks. Boom. Okay? So that's very good. There's a range of techniques for this, from you don't put yourself in the presence of that person anymore. Um, you control the situation. So some families fight like crazy at Christmas. What's my advice? You drive there and keep your car running. I'm just being serious. You control the circumstance. That's what you do. You can, so one is you don't go at all. You control the circumstance. You can have a big intervention and have everybody say, this is what I do and I'll never do it again. There's a range of things you can do. The thing you don't want to do is put yourself back, back in harm's way. You just do not do that. You just do not do it. There's no percentage in that. There's no whom does that help. If you let somebody beat on you, you hate them. You don't love them. Because sin builds up, and eventually sin destroys you. Right? It ruins you. If you keep sinning and keep sinning, if somebody is just banging away and you keep sin, just if they do that every day, every day they're clo- one step closer to hell. I mean, you're, they're just destroying themselves. To sin, I mean, this is what we forget. To sin destroys you. It makes you less. It destroys you. It weakens you. I mean, it, maybe not at first. Maybe you don't notice it, but someday you wake up all alone, unloved, wrecked. And you say, why did that happen? And the answer is, because you did this every day for 40 years, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, no, that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Actually, more blood and guts in many situations would be more valuable. More blood and guts in many situations would be more valuable. Because a word doesn't make you bleed, but it's just as painful, right? I mean, this is your thing about the tongue. I mean, James, the Gospel of James, you can ruin somebody with a tongue. They don't bleed. And here's what happens. Here's the thing. This is great. If you're bleeding, if you're out in the parking lot bleeding, what's the value of that? It's the last thing we're going to do, and then we're going to go home. But what's the value of that? Somebody sees you. Do they argue about whether you've really been hurt or not? Do they say... What did you do to bring this on yourself? Uh, Is it something that you said? Um, Maybe you, I mean, here's the thing. One thing about blood and guts is it's objective. I mean, people see it. They dial 911. They put pressure on. They don't stand around and say, did you take the knife and stick it in? Are you sure you didn't slip? Was there really another person? You know, they don't do that. But with a tongue, what do people say? Are you sure you heard it right? Maybe they didn't really mean it. Words can't sticks and stones. The bad day that is rubbish. Yeah. That's the that's that's the that's the Hanson way. That's good. Yeah. You do break people, right? All right. Here's the thing. We're only halfway through what I want to talk about, which is fine. You can take this home and read the rest of it. The three things I want to talk about on the heels of discernment. There's at least two things I want to talk about next week. Which is one is. Um, I'll just give you the clues what I'm aiming at. Somebody said it earlier. It was very good. I want to talk about how ritual changes pattern. Okay, That's what I am to talk about next time, how ritual changes pattern, which is what is it that you could do to alter that pattern. Okay, So that's important. Ritual changes pattern, especially divine ritual. So, I mean, you know where I'm going with this, which is every time the Eucharist touches you, if you change your pattern – your life changes. So if Jesus touched you more rather than less, your life changes. That's a completely Lutheran thing. Means of grace. We attend the means of grace because they change us. That's one. And then I think we really need to talk about um, who should be a teacher. Because I want to, I this is not about, this is not about all everybody becoming a master. They're going to, they're gonna dis- in what you have here, it's going to talk about masters, elders, and students, which is a very different model than the church has. And this is not about, this book is not about everybody aspiring to be a master. This book is about be, finding your place as a student. Because the book will say two things. One is, um, contrary to how we do it here, most masters, if you come to study with them, they say go away. Do you ever see, uh, Pastor Ganey remind me about this this morning, but do you remember Name of the Rose? Anybody ever, did you see the movie? Read the book? Do you remember when people would come to the monastery, what would they do? They'd open the door and what would they do? Do you remember? Anybody remember? Long time ago, I know. They First they go away, then they quiz them. What are you doing here? Where you been? What's your story? Why would you want to come in here? Do you know what we do here? I mean, think about if the church was like that. That's how the church was early in the church when they, dismiss people the doors the doors they'd drop the pin in the door and not let anybody in who hadn't been initiated who hadn't been baptized that's a very different way of running the church and it recognizes this I'm just gonna I'll leave you with this last one number 14 those who are great athletes must contend against stronger enemies everybody's not I mean I'm not Michael Jordan I'm not LeBron you know now I can show you some clippings from my past however <laughs> I'm not LeBron. So, you know, everybody has to, this is about knowing yourself, knowing your level, knowing where you are, knowing what you can bear, and it's not about everybody aspiring to be a master. In fact, masters don't aspire to be masters. They give themselves into something, and one day they wake up, and that's what's happened, and when people come and say, I want to be a master too, they say, who the heck are you? You should probably go away from me. One of the things it says here is very few mothers would take on followers, okay, It's like rabbis. Rabbis didn't take people uneasily. Here's the thing. The the church is so, well, no. I was going to say the church is so stupid. The church isn't stupid. The way we do church is so stupid. When Jesus found 12 disciples, did he find them or did they find him? What does the text say? What does it say? He found them. He picked them. And you don't get to come along unless he picks you you might actually kind of just muse on that a little bit, what that means. As opposed to people who are always saying, I'm the guy, or I'm really smart, or I'm a master. Just muse on that. That's not the Christian way. That's not in Scripture. It's not why it's in the church now. I have no idea. Maybe because, you know, you can make a lot of money if you're on Channel 68, but that's not the deal, okay? I know. Actually, and I don't, I saw that, and I read it, and I don't rejoice in it. That is wrong on so many levels. Uh, you saw this—the Crystal cathedral of bankruptcy. There's been this huge risk between the dad and his, that, like, the whole place is blown up, you know. And its and what's so sad about it is that it's blown up at every level: families, management, congregation. It's just like you never wish ill on anybody, and don't ever rejoice in anybody else's pain. So, all right, everybody, good. So read this. We'll do this. We'll do some more next week, but we'll try to recall this, and then we'll try to talk about. We'll talk a little bit about discernment. We'll try to talk about patterns in life. And we'll try to talk about um, our relationships with each other. Okay? Good enough? Love you. All right, let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thus this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks so much. It's good to be back with you. See you. Okay, love you. Don't forget to mark Christmas sharing.